This is Wildcat Dojo Conversations. Hi, and welcome to another episode without Landon. That's right. We miss you, Landon. But you're here, Sensei Michelle. Us. And I'm here. I'm Sensei Jackie. And we got so lucky today because Sensei Lydia's back. Yay! And you can hear her on our episode about Kimmy Focus, which was one of our good ones, right? Oh, it sure was, Sensei. And that ran about a year ago, and it's tagged down in our show notes. Welcome, and thanks for being here, Sensei. Oh, thanks. It's a pleasure to be back, and thank you for having me. I'm excited. Me too. We mentioned that Sensei Lydia teaches and is a master-level black belt, but I bet some listeners don't know that she is a dog lover. How many dogs do you have these days? I have three. Three big dogs. And they're great, right? Oh, they are so adorable. Okay, let's get started. Before I say the sites, shouldn't I say that the point of today's podcast is the history of poisons? That'd be a good idea, (laughs) Sensei. We haven't even mentioned that. We're busy having fun, the three of us. We're only a minute in. It's all right. (laughs) I've done worse. So for this one, we mostly used a site called, I'm going to go with Bionity, or maybe Bionity. How about Bionity? Okay. B-I-O-N-I-T-Y.com. You can look. True. But we also got some help from some other sites, both Britannica and, are you ready for this one? This is like full of dots, pubmed.ncbc.nim.nih.gov. I know. I was like, whoa, on that one, weren't you? I just want to say it (laughs) rather than, anyway. And in Britannica, they said that the history of poisons includes geniuses, science discoveries, politics, war, and of course, assassinations. I wonder if we're going to hit on all of them. I feel like we might. Also, and here's a real-time update. I just heard on my Nat Geo podcast that I listened to about a fungus that is affecting the cicadas that have come out of their 17 years in hibernation. Oh, wow. Right? Wow. And the fungus is poisoning them slowly. Aw. One of the bugs that they didn't, I guess, a bug autopsy on, Uh Hmm. was filled with methamphetamine. And the other one, wait for it, was filled with psilocybin. Whoa. I know. They're in two different parts of the country. Oh, oh, The bugs, not in the same place. You got to love some Nat Geo, right? I do. But I've got one that is fun and not too gross. There's evidence of toxic substances that date back to the beginning of mankind. The early history is difficult to confirm because... Well, it was a long time ago, (laughs) but they have found little nooks and hunting weapons that date back to early man, approximately 4,500 BCE. That's cool. That's really cool. And not nearly as gross as the cicadas. Well, I read where once poisons were discovered as poisonous, they were reserved for the highest ranking people in the tribe and led to the conception of both the medicine man and the witch doctor. It's a very yin-yang uh, situation, Sensei. I can see that. And I'll add that specifically. The Bionity article said that the discovery of poisons had its advantages, even as it had the big disadvantage of killing. You know what? When I was doing the research, I really never even thought of it as anything but killing. But as I got more and more into it, I realized that we rely on poison a lot to make our lives safer and better. That's scary. So with that said, let's round robin some of those advantages. 
us. I'll start. We know that antidotes were created from the actual poison. And cleaners are helpful, both industrial cleaners and household cleaners. And bacteria that led to penicillin. That's always an amazing one to me, by the way. Always. Yes. And finally, as icky as it is to bring up, they do use chemicals to fight cancers. Yes, they do. More and more specifically now. Oh, very targeted these days. Yep. Medicine's miraculous. It is. It really is. It is. Eastern and Western. Okay. I'm not going to argue there because I'm, you know, I'm big on holistic views. (laughs) Don't get me started. But you know what would be fun? It would be fun to have a holistic person on the show to talk about it. That would be interesting. Yeah. We're going to have to think about that. I'll talk to my acupuncturist. Good idea. Okay. We should push, right? Uh, So I've got something. Go for it. Well, from 114 to 63 BCE, a man named Mithridates was king of Pontos in ancient Greece, which is now modern Turkey, but I digress. So back to Mithridates. He lived in such constant fear of being poisoned that it caused him to spend his years searching for antidotes. He even tested antidotes on prisoners. Bummer for them. That is kind of gross, but I'll add something. All righty. He tried to build his immunity by giving himself small doses of poison daily. Wow, he was obsessed. He certainly was. And eventually he came up with a combination of small portions of dozens of the best known herbal remedies of the time. And he named it Mithridatium. The whole thing was kept a secret till an invasion allowed it to be taken back to Rome. And then, well, the antidote was spilled. (laughs) That was sad. But let's just give a big shout out to Jackie for saying that guy's name and how he named the poison after himself without even having to do a second take, right? Yes. Okay, so lead us on, Sensei Lydia. Where are we headed? Okay, how about this? At about that time, there was a politician slash author named Pliny the Younger that described over 7,000 poisons. Here's just one description. The blood of a duck found in a certain district of Pontos, which was supposed to live on poisonous food, and the blood was afterwards used in the preparation of Mithridatium because it, the duck, fed on poisonous plants and suffered no harm. Isn't that interesting? And creepy. And gross. Oh, my. Oh my. <laughs> <laughs> now, if you are not a fan of The Wizard of Oz, you didn't get the oh, my, right? That's it. So go watch the movie. Okay, yours is hard to follow, Sensei Lydia, but I'll do my best with this short list of known poisons that are mentioned in an ancient Egyptian text. It's short. You ready? I'm ready. Me too. Copper, arsenic, lead, opium, and mandrake. Let's see the duck. Wow. And the Egyptians are also the first to master distillation, which made the poison stronger. Those Egyptians. Okay, we've all heard how poisons were common in Rome, right? Right. An example is that Nero was so commonly poisoning his enemies that he is known to have hired a personal poisoner. And that last part's in quotes, folks. (laughs) Both funny and creepy. Two words we're using a lot. A lot, I know. In fact, this whole topic is (laughs) a little bit creepy. It is, but it's interesting. So keep us going. Okay, staying in Rome, Claudius, 
the predecessor of Nero, allegedly poisoned his enemies with mushrooms. Hmm. On that note, can we just jump out of Rome and into the Middle Ages? Okay. Please, Sensei Lydia. Will do. And I'll start in Europe. There was a man named Poracelsus. He claimed that all substances had toxic properties. In other words, all substances, he said, could be used therapeutically in the correct dosage, yet at a high dosage, they would be toxic. You know, I'm not sure that I agree with everything, but it is an interesting concept and takes us back to the holistic people that you were talking about, Sensei. It is an interesting concept. And if you think really hard about it, you know how in modern times they have like the really high protein diets and people get um, some bad reactions to eating too much meat? Yes. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of an example. Also, it can happen with too much sugar. Oh, absolutely. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. I'm just saying, if they start saying gummy bears are bad for us, we're in trouble. I know. How sad is that? Right? (laughs) Wow. Toxic gummy bears. No, no. Gummy bears cannot be toxic. They're too cute. That's right. Well, if you actually read some of the contents in the stuff (laughs) when they're making them, you you all almost want to say, what is that? Too many syllables. Why is it right? Exactly. You can't even pronounce it. All right, we got to get back on track, and we're still in the Middle Ages, right? Right. I'm reminding you that Europe was another place where poisoning was very popular, just in case you could have forgotten. So much so that this was the beginning of a period where people actually bought poisons, and therefore they needed to have vendors of both potions and poisons. Hope they didn't get them mixed up. That would be a little frightening. (laughs) This was also when the Borgia family was super famous for poisoning everyone from cardinals to nobility. Lucretia Borgia is someone to Google in case there is one you'd like to look up. True. But it wasn't just in Europe that folks were crazy for poison. While all that was going on, the Arabian nations were refining poisons. For example, they made arsenic clear and tasteless. So it could be slipped into a drink. Ooh. Yeah. And in Persia, a doctor and philosopher named Razes wrote a book called Secret of Secrets about poisons and more. And more importantly, he was the first man to distill alcohol and use it as an antiseptic. In a small misstep, he suggested using mercury as a laxative. Oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah. Ooh. (laughs) Also... Using mercury, he discovered a treatment for scabies, making him one of the first people to think of poisons for good rather than just killing. Since then, like we mentioned, people have discovered everything from antibiotics to cancer treatments based on killing the thing that is killing us. Wow. I'm torn between wow and wow, that was a lot of information. It is. Right? It is. So on that confusing note, let's move on to the Renaissance. Okay, I'll start. In that period, poison was the go-to tool for assassins, and new ways to kill people were being invented right and left. That's just a funny sentence. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. And in Italy, in the 14th and 15th century, they began mixing poisons together to make them even more deadly. And from that, a science was born. And today it is known as... Toxicology. All right. What a great word. (laughs) (laughs) 
I read that and was so interested, I looked up the definition. Here you go. The branch of science concerned with nature and the detection of poisons, as well as the measurement and analysis of toxins, banned substances, and prescription medications. Yikes. And I found it so interesting that I looked up when they first used the word toxicology. Etymology.com says it was in 1815 from a Greek word, toxicon, meaning arrow poison. That's wild. For sure. But back to the idea that it was a time of using poisons for assassinations. People became so paranoid about possibly getting poisoned that they literally quit eating and drinking in other people's homes. Ah. And this goes along with the surge in murders by poison at the time. At the same time, priests in Notre Dame became so upset with the number of poisonings that they heard in confession that they informed the king. Which is really breaking, no pun intended, it's really breaking a cardinal rule, right? For the According to the history sure, article. because the seal of confession is yeah, sacred. Yeah, but they were just so freaked out by it. But for the good of humans, they had to yeah. do it, I'm sure. Or that's what they thought at the time. Right. Moving on. And in response, the king created an order of men to investigate poisonings. I wonder if this was the first committee. I'm sure it was very close to. <laughs> it must have been because despite the backing of the king, they didn't catch many murderers <laughs> using poison. That's awesome. So they set the tone for committees of the future. Exactly. An interesting aside was the creation of the order popularized the interest in poisons kind of backfiring its original point. So that's just like today. Exactly. The more of the big deal they make out of something, the more people search it out. Advertising. Try to find out about it. Okay. On that note, I'm going to move us forward again to the Victorian era. And, and I had no idea this was invented then, the invention of life insurance. Ah. Well. I know. It's a weird segue, right? It is because it's coming from exactly what Master Clesian used to say. It's not life insurance, it's death insurance. (laughs) It's still true today. (laughs) Yes. Because during this period, people killed each other with poison to collect life insurance. So some things never change. No, they do not. But seriously, I would never have thought life insurance went that far back. Would you guys? Me either. Absolutely not. Never even. I never never thought of when it happened. I never, yeah, exactly. You just took it for granted. So according to this article, These days, people are more likely to be poisoned accidentally, although some people still try to get away with murder. See, I went pop culture on you because that's a show, right? How to get away with murder. Landon would be so proud of your pop culture reference. Thank you, Shonda Rhimes. Do you watch that show, Sensei Lydia? Mm -hmm. Me either, so I'm sorry, Shonda Rhimes. (laughs) But let's finish up this whole episode with some quick facts. And I think it's your turn to start us out, Sensei Jackie. Good. These days, a lot of poison is used for bugs. Hmm. True. But like in the old days, there are some parts of the world where poison is still used in hunting and fighting within certain tribes. Yes. And finally, although we're not going to name all the types of poisons, and that would be a complete episode or seven, (laughs) here are the main categories of poisons according to Britannica. There are three main kinds, chemical, drugs, and healthcare, and biological. Right. Chemical divides into industrial, agricultural, 
insecticides, herbicides, and one they're calling rodenticides. I know, that one creeped me out a little bit. And one they particularly mentioned is called diminicide, to make apples look pretty. Yeah, I'm giving you a sad face on that. Even though we all try to buy healthy apples wherever we shop still, I'm like, don't put chemicals on the outside of my apple. Yuck. (sighs) Right? Right. Okay, so on that sad note, I'm going to move us on to industrial poisons. We've got things like gasoline, benzene, and the like. And mostly, those things hurt people through inhalation. Oh, they're so dangerous. Mm -hmm. And then there's laughing gas, which is an example of one that, when used correctly, can be helpful. I don't think I've ever had laughing gas. Uh, You know, I, I think one time, a long time ago, when I was very, very young, like five, in the early 60s, and they had to put me to sleep mm-hmm. with gas to remove teeth. Right. You know, I'm pretty sure that I heard somebody tell me one time it was laughing gas. And at that point, I said, nobody was laughing here. <laughs> <laughs> Anything that's happening when you're five is, is traumatic, right? That's for sure. For sure. Can I finish up industrials with carbon monoxide? Isn't that an odorless one? Yes. Okay. Now we're moving on to the metals, right? Us. Lead, manganese, and mercury are a few. And acids. Right. And I'm going to finish with this, with venoms like snake and jellyfish. Ooh, good one. Yeah. We've all been bit by jellyfish, right? Yeah. Well, a man of war. I came close. Oh, I have. I, I've been bitten by was so yeah. similar. If you if you're in Florida beaches, you're you're encountering jellyfish yes. slash man of war. And the man of war is exactly. Ugh. Remember when we were saying that poisons can be used for good? What should I say? Well, I thought of this idea. How about the alcohol we use to clean our hands? I like it. And how people use formaldehyde to preserve bodies yes. and body parts. Ew. But less yucky. How about painkillers like aspirin and acetaminophen? decongestants and antiseptics and even some vitamins like vitamin a and iron because you can take too much and hurt yourself us definitely all right guys let's finish this one up with a couple of plant-based poisons like mushrooms and fungi that's begging for a joke right there he's such a fun guy (laughs) (laughs) we're gonna take it home with these two cool quotes and sensei jackie i think you go first I should say, this one is by a man named Johnny Kemp. Ego is probably one of the biggest poisons we can have. It's toxic to any environment. I like that one. I do too. I do too. And I'll finish with one that Master Collegian often said. Revenge is like salt water. It looks like it's going to save your life, but it's actually going to kill you. I love that quote. I use that quote. All right, guys. It's time for us to do all of our end of show work. Let's start with Honor Athletics, athletics, of course. So Cynthia is a great sponsor of us. We wish you would support her. Call her or text her at 770-945-5150. She can help you out with all your karate and martial arts needs. That's true. Or you can find her on the web at honor-athletics.com. Or tagged below in our show notes. Always. And please mention Wildcat Dojo for your 10% discount. Thanks, Cynthia. And on the thanks note, Sensei Lydia, thank you. Oh, you're welcome. My pleasure. It's always fun to get together. This was a fun one. 
it was just us hanging out, talking about Poison. good old boys. <laughs> and thanks to Sensei Peg for <laughs> making me fall in love, love with, with the, the idea yeah. of poison instead of going, ooh, back away from the weirdness. May she rest in peace. Amen. And just in case you don't know this, Sensei Peg is our much beloved wife of our teacher, Nostra Joe Collegian. Yes. So whatever you want to tell us, we want to hear it at Wildcat Dojo all over the web, at .com for our webpage, Dojo Conversations at AOL for an email. And let me try this, Wildcat Dojo Conversations on Instagram. That's it. Okay. Let's all three say, and with that, we're signing out. You ready? And with that, we're signing out. Thanks for being here. Hope you join us again next week on Wildcat Dojo Conversations.